0: Right, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We are continuing on in our study of the book of Ephesians. We're now working through this section in verses 15 through 23, where Paul has shifted from praising God for the fact that he's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ, and he is now praying to God, or he is at least telling us what he prayed to God uh, for the Ephesian church's growth and maturity. So, Ephesians 1, I'm going to read verses 15 through 21. We certainly won't cover all of that today. Um, but I do want to read it so we can just keep our context. Follow as I read, this is the Word of God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all uh, rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Amen. So last week, we simply focused on the fact that Paul prayed. And I said, here's the Apostle Paul. No one has been used more significantly in building the church. He, um, he shared the gospel with thousands of people in his own day. He planted churches, uh, the first churches. He trained pastors. And most notably, he was used by God to write many books of the Bible. Which means not only did he share the gospel with thousands in his own day, but he's been used over the last 2,000 years to share the gospel with billions of people all over the world uh, through what he wrote down in the Scriptures. Paul was the most brilliant theological mind, possibly the most brilliant mind that we've ever known aside from Jesus. He was a powerful preacher. He was an amazingly fruitful missionary, a prolific author. Yet he knew, and I've shown you this two weeks in a row, he knew that he could labor all that he wanted. He knew that he could be as bold as he wanted. He knew that he could be as faithful to the truth as possible. But even in all of that, only God could give the growth. We plant, we water, but only God can give the growth. So, Paul prayed, Night and day, he prayed for specific Christians. He prayed for these specific churches that at one point or another, God had entrusted to his care. He prayed that the God of all growth would bring growth and maturity. So, we can learn a lot from Paul's example. Um, We've established that prayer is essential to our own growth and maturity and in seeking the growth and maturity of others. If only God can give the growth, it makes sense that we seek Him for the growth. Not only in our own lives, but in, in those around us. But we can also learn a lot from what Paul prayed. First, let me remind you of the obvious. And this is really the first thing I want you to learn from this. Um, this is God's Word. This, the contents of this prayer is Scripture. And you don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. And that includes prayer. So, um, in Ephesians 1, Paul tells us what he prayed for these Ephesians Christians. And in writing these things down, he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Simply put, this is Scripture. Listen to these passages that I dug up uh, in Scripture about scripture. Just listen, Isaiah 48, familiar one. The grass withers, the flower fades, but these words of our God endure forever. If you ever go to the service, you'll hear that. Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You could just say the, the word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Psalm 18:30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. Some translations say the the Lord's word is flawless. Psalm 119.105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the first thing that we should see that is that in regard to growth and maturity, um, this prayer of Paul's in Ephesians 1 is the perfect thing that we could pray for ourselves and for other people. This is... Unfading, unbreakable, perfect, Holy Spirit-inspired instruction for prayer. No need to change a word of it. So last week I recommended that in an effort to build a better prayer life, uh, you would be well served by making use of some note cards or whatever, pieces of paper, a notebook, whatever you like. Um, All you would have to do for this is write the verses down this part of Paul's prayer, and just start praying it regularly. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for others in your life. This is a prayer for growth and maturity. And you just sort of graze through the words, thinking about them as you pray them. Um, If you're not still open to Ephesians 1, turn back there, and I'm going to show you what I mean. Look at verse uh, 17. So in 16, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he goes on to let us know what he has been praying uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So you're just reading that, Father, uh, give me, give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowing you, enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know what is the hope that you have called us to what are the riches of the inheritance that you've called us to and what is the immeasurable power of your what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe it's its power according to the resurrection its power according to you raising Christ from the dead would you help me to understand that and apply that to my heart and life um, turn a little bit to colossians 1 The prayer that I have probably prayed most often for the twenties and thirties of Grace of Anne is found in Colossians one nine and ten. Here's another one of Paul's pastoral prayers where he lets us see what he's been praying for the church at Colossa, and again it's seeking for God it's seeking God for their growth, because though we may plant in water, only God can give the growth. So look at Colossians one nine. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So I ask along with Paul what Paul is asking. Um, Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we would walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And the prayer that I've probably prayed uh, more for myself is in verse 11 and following, just for the daily grind, or for others who I know are going through a hard time. Verses 11-14. through Lord, would You strengthen us with all power according to Your might, for all endurance and patience with joy, keeping us mindful, giving thanks to You, Father, that You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Whatever they're going through, Lord, would You... Keep them grounded in the reality that You have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the, to the kingdom of Your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The other uh, prayer in Scripture that I pray a lot is the Lord's Prayer. Because when Jesus was teaching His disciples how to pray... That's what he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, etc., etc. Now, I realize, you know, I'm not alone by myself, and that may sound a little bit rigid or whatever, but I'm just trying to show you that the scripture, there are prayers here that are great to pray. And what happens is the more that you pray these scripture prayers, the more organic. It becomes the more relational. It becomes the more, um, you know. It really doesn't take very long to memorize them. If you're praying them five times, you start to remember what comes next. And then what what happens as you're praying, even just for something else, God starts to bring certain parts of these prayers to mind, and and Scripture starts to influence and flood your prayer life as you're praying for someone who's hurting or whatever it may be. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a pastoral situation and this prayer from Colossians 1 has come to mind. God, give your strength for endurance and patience with joy in this trial. I can't tell you how many times that um, I've been grieved by something in my own life for someone else, just something going on in the world, and have prayed, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we need You to establish Your kingdom in, in this Reality. Um, also, what happens is the more that you pray these prayers of Scripture, they get filled in with real life stuff. They, the prayers become like a box. So uh, the structure stays the same. You're still saying the same words. The, the structure is the same. But the more you pray it, the more you're filling it in with the stuff that's going on in your life, and the box just becomes normal. Now you now you've prayed it twenty times, and you know it, and you're praying it. But as you pray each line of it, things are coming to your mind that are relevant to that, and you're filling in the box. So, the twentieth time that I prayed this Colossians one nine and ten for the twenties and thirties group, um, I had more specific things to say than I did the first time. Right, the first time I just said what it says. But the twentieth time, I'm naming names that come to mind. I'm I'm uh, more familiar with your story. The scripture is my structure, and I'm filling in the structure. Got it? Got it. But um, it's not only my structure. When I'm praying the scripture, I'm praying words of eternal life for other people, for myself. Uh, for other people. Which leads me to the second thing, sort of an offshoot of, of what I've been talking about. If you haven't been reading your Bible regularly, that's okay. Start tomorrow. Um, it really is that important. If you don't know where to start, either start in Genesis, or I think the easiest place to start is in the Gospel of John. Just because you just get face-to-face with Jesus and you get to know Him real quickly. But um, and, and here's the thing or what I want to talk to you about is how you take uh, what you're seeing in the Bible and apply it to yourself. Because really, for anyone that goes and reads the Bible, you could even get an insight and go, Oh, I see that, and I see how that connects to that, and that's great. Um, We can get these great insights, but if we leave them at arm's length, they never get applied. They never get worked in and applied to us. Now, granted, sometimes the Lord is going to apply something to you whether you like it or not. It's just going to happen. He's after you about this thing, and He's going to get you. And, uh, you know, praise God. He, he's more faithful than we are. But we can work to um, apply what we're learning as well. So keep in mind the principle that Paul prayed because only God can give the growth. Paul didn't just get his theology right. He knew theologically that only God could give the growth. But his theology was applied at the heart level in his life. And the best way to seek to apply what we are learning is in prayer to the God of all growth to grow us in what He's showing us. Um, so not only should we pray the prayers of Scripture, we can pray all, scri- all Scripture. For example, I've been reading through Jeremiah in the mornings. Um, Some people can be reading in four or five different places at a time and read like one chapter from each. Um, I can't do that. I get to the end and I have no idea what I've read anywhere and it's just not helpful. So I read one book at a time. Sometimes I read less than a chapter and it takes 47 seconds. Uh, Other times I read five or six chapters and I don't want to get up. Sometimes I'm more engaged with it than I am other times. Sometimes stuff jumps out at me. Other times, nothing jumps out at me. But the best way I know how to implement what we've been talking about, that that Paul prayed because he knew no matter how hard he worked, that um, only God could give the growth for himself and for others. The best way I know how to implement that is to take what you see in the Scriptures and to apply it by praying it back to God. Um, So I'm currently reading through Jeremiah. And the other day, I was in chapter 25. And there's a section in chapter 25 about the the, uh, warning of the cup of God's wrath being poured out on the nations. And that was basically my only thought from that chapter was like, oh, cup of God's wrath being poured out on the nations. Well, I'm familiar with in the garden Jesus says Father take this cup from me you know he starts to experience anguish he's about to go to the cross and he's talking about the cup of God's wrath so I connect this with thoughts of of the cup of God's wrath with Christ Um, and it, it led me to think about the fact that God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus for me the full cup of God's wrath has been poured out on Christ for me so this wrath for the nations is not for me There is no more wrath for those who are in Christ. Jesus endured God's wrath in our place. My sins are forgiven. No more wrath. And there are many places in the Scriptures that talk about the fact that the Gospel is for the nations. God so loved the world. You know, God is saving people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So just thinking about that led me to gratitude for my salvation. And... um, But it also led me to pray. It led me to thank God, not just to feel thankful, but to actually thank God that He has poured out His grace on me and to thank God that He's poured out His grace on this broken world. He so loved the world that He sent His Son. Which um, also led me to think about those in my life, those in the world that don't know Him. There are people in my life, Lord, that don't know You and Your cup of wrath is awaiting them if they don't turn to Christ. Don't pour your wrath out on them. Have mercy on them. You know, I mean, you're free to pray that. All to say, I'm just sort of rambling at this point, but that's kind of how it goes. Thoughts connect and you go, that makes me think about this, and it's just like a child. You just start saying things. And basically, it's fairly simple. Okay? Read the Bible. And as you read, or at the end of your reading, or both, just use whatever you just saw as food for prayer. You're not going to remember everything you just saw? I would say you're not supposed to remember everything you just saw. Maybe there's one word in one verse, or one verse that jumped out to you, and there you go. That's what God may be saying at that time. Now that whole thing, Jeremiah 25 time, couldn't have taken me more than 15 minutes. Um, Simply read a chapter of the Bible, prayed it back to God. Sometimes it's more like 45. However long, my encouragement to you is just keep showing up. Some days you'll read a chapter. Some days you'll read five chapters. You won't want to put it down. Just do it again and again and again and again and again. It's not legalism. It's simply knowing where to find food and going and eating. It's knowing where to find water. You know where the well is and going and drinking. Just show up. All right. I do want to get into the specifics of Paul's prayer. So um, I'm going to spend a couple few weeks unpacking the pieces of what Paul prayed in order that we can, uh, so that we can pray that when we pray the same thing, we can kind of better understand the depth and the weight of what we're praying. So this week, uh, we're going to look at, turn back to Ephesians 1, we're going to look at verse 17 and the beginning of 18. Um, the beginning of Paul's prayer is that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him and in doing this He would enlighten the eyes of our hearts the text says so this is really the first thing that must happen in order for the rest of the prayer to happen We can't know the hope that we have in Christ or the riches that we have in Christ. We can't know the power of God toward us who believe unless God enlightens the eyes of our hearts, giving us wisdom and revelation to better know Him. So, uh, more simply, we can't better know God or all of the blessings He has blessed us with unless He enables us to better know Him. God gives the growth. So, so what is what exactly is Paul asking? He's clearly praying for Christians, as we can see by the context in verses 13 to 16. We know from verse 13 that all, in 14 all Christians have the Holy Spirit inside of them. But he's praying for us Christians to be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing God. Um. The best way, I think, to understand what Paul is praying here is that he's praying for fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of all wisdom and all revelation. Uh, he's the author of God's wisdom and revelation in written form, the scriptures. He's the author of scripture. So God has revealed himself to us in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of, of revelation. So whenever Paul prayed this prayer, I'm thinking that he's thinking that God would give a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of all wisdom and revelation, so that his people's hearts would be further enlightened in order to better know him. Um, We don't have time to turn there, but just so you don't think I'm crazy, if you want to see in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes initially in Acts 2 at Pentecost. Jesus tells His disciples to go wait on the Spirit. Spirit comes, fills, it says in Acts 2, He filled His people. Then, in Acts chapter 4, there's some persecution going on, and uh, they're you know praying that God would give them boldness to continue to be faithful in the face of persecution. And it says again, God filled them with the Spirit. So, it's not crazy to think that God could fill us regularly with His Holy Spirit. The believers were filled at Pentecost. They were filled again not too long after that. Um, it's not crazy to think we should ask for fresh fillings of the Spirit. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna butcher it, but uh, Jesus said, uh, "If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will He give you the holy? Will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask?" So there we have even more. We should ask for the Spirit. Um, You may notice that that's one of the things that I pray most frequently, especially before I teach or just really before I do anything, because it's one of the things I need most frequently. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. This doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit ever leaves me totally. God has deposited His Spirit in His people as the guarantee of our inheritance in heaven. But He can further fill us, and I need Him to. If left to my own devices, I'm in big trouble, and so are you. Alright, a couple more things about this passage will be done. First, in verse 18, Paul asks that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And remember, in the Bible, the heart is referring to kind of the center of our being. uh, The center of who we are. It's the seat of our desires and emotions and affections. It's the motor of our mind and our will. It's the core of who we are. Our heart. So, You know, like heart of hearts is something we kind of say that's similar to that. When Paul is asking that the eyes of our hearts be enlightened, he's asking for illumination in every part of our being. Our mind, our will, our desires, uh, our feelings. He's asking for our mind to be more in tune with God. He's asking for our will to be more engaged with God so that our decisions and our choices would more reflect the glory of God. He's asking for our desires to be more affected. We're going to talk about um, this. Uh, um, our next thing I'll say is we'll we'll talk about this more through the next section. But I need to mention it briefly now. In asking for more fullness of the Spirit, in asking for more wisdom and revelation from God, we need to understand how God works. God speaks through what He has already spoken. We're not going to get more wisdom and revelation from God apart from His Word. He's not going to give us a sign in the clouds or writing on the wall. He has sufficiently and clearly revealed Himself to us in the Scriptures. So when we ask for more wisdom and revelation from God, we, we should expect that He's going to give more wisdom and revelation to us um, through the wisdom and revelation that He wrote down for us in His Word. You don't get gasoline at a restaurant. You get it at a gas station. You get more wisdom and revelation uh, from God as He fills you with His Spirit, further engaging your mind and your will and your emotions and affections with His Word. Now, certainly there are good practices to do in conjunction with this in order to intentionally seek Him for further wisdom and revelation, like praying. Like silence and solitude, I've got to find a place where I can just have clear thoughts for more than two minutes. Meditation, uh, journaling, a lot of people like to write stuff down, it's a helpful way to reflect on what you're reading. But we don't sit in silence and solitude simply for silence and solitude's sake. And biblical meditation is not emptying, that's Buddhism. Biblical meditation is filling. It's being filled with the Spirit and the Word. It's marinating in the truth of God's Word. So, further wisdom and revelation from God comes through the wisdom and revelation He's already given us, His Word. And lastly... um, in conjunction with these last two points, the purpose of the filling of the spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts with his wisdom and revelation, the single purpose of this, and according to the text, in Paul's prayer is to know God. So Paul prays that we would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We're going to talk about that more next week, knowing God. Here's a snapshot. You cannot know God apart from his word. But you can know God's Word without knowing God. You cannot know God apart from His Word, but you can know God's Word without knowing God. So, I know that's a lot, but listen. In summary, um, we can learn a lot just simply from what Paul prayed, and we have only made it through like barely any of what Paul prayed. Number one, in writing down what he prayed for these Ephesian Christians, he was actually writing down Scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we need to know is we don't need to change a thing. We just pray what Paul prayed. And I gave you a couple other examples in Colossians and the Lord's Prayer. Number two, not only should we pray the prayers of Scripture, we can pray all Scripture. So um, remember my example from Jeremiah. But just anything that you read, just let that be food for prayer back to God. Number three, The specifics of Paul's prayer starts with uh, asking God to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Him that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And this is foundational to the rest of the prayer. Only God can give the growth. In order to better know God, we need God to fill us with His Spirit, further engaging our heart, our mind, our will, our desires and emotions, further giving... uh, Insight into this wisdom and revelation in his word. And lastly, connected with that, the wisdom doesn't come apart from his word. So, simple application Um, anytime that you're reading the Bible, even in sermon listening, you guys, you know, have to sit here sometimes painstakingly along and uh, listen to me ramble, but there are things that I'm trying to minister to you from his word. That's the same thing that Dr. Young's doing in the service. So a simple way to engage in that is to say, God, fill me with Your Spirit. Enlighten the eyes of my heart so that I might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I might better know You. Um, You can do that every time you read the Word. You can do that every time you listen to a sermon. But it's just simple ways to seek to engage the Lord um, and ask for His grace so that you can actually engage him all right does anybody have any thoughts or questions about that anyone let's pray father we do thank you for this time and uh We do thank You for Your Word, and we thank You, Lord, that You are eager to speak to us, that You are eager to, um, that You know us, and You're eager to have us know You. And Lord, I do pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit, um, that we might better uh, know You, that You would give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of You, and that You would enlighten the eyes of our heart, that You would um, illumine the eyes of our mind and our will and our emotions, uh, that the, all of who we are what might better be engaged with You. We, we pray that, Lord, because uh, it is eternal life to know You. We, we need to know You. We want to know You. We want to better know You um, so that we can better love You and follow You. We do pray to that end in Jesus' name. Amen.